0: Well, welcome, welcome, welcome to church. If you have your Bibles, turn to Proverbs chapter 26. Tonight we are asking the question, this is week nine of our series, going through the book of Proverbs, how do I, and then the little ellipsis there, you know, dot, 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 how do I? Tonight we're talking about deal with difficult people. So how do I deal with difficult people? And some of you are like, I got good experience. So uh, we're going to open the scriptures tonight and let the Lord speak to us. So uh, hear the word of the Lord from Proverbs 26, 1 through 12. It says this, like snow in summer or rain in harvest, honor is not fitting for a fool. Like a fluttering sparrow or a darting swallow, an undeserved curse does not come to rest. A whip for the horse, a bridle for the donkey, and a rod for the backs of fools. Fools, this is a theme here in Proverbs 26. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you yourself will be just like him. Answer a fool according to his folly, or he will be wise in his own eyes. There's this dichotomy there. You gotta know when to step in and when not to. Sending a message by the hands of a fool is like cutting off one's feet or drinking poison. Like the useless legs of one who is lame is a proverb in the mouth of a fool. Like tying a stone in a sling is the giving of honor to a fool. Like a thorn bush in a drunkard's hand is a proverb in the mouth of a fool. Like an archer who wounds at random is one who hires a fool or any passerby. As a dog returns to its vomit, so fools repeat their folly. Do you see a person who is wise in their own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for them. This is the word of the Lord and all God's people said, dang, thanks be to God. Let's pray. My friend Dwayne came up to me during worship, and he just said, "I sense the fire of God in here tonight." And so do I. And so, Lord, have Your way. What more can we say? Our way has led to death. Our way has led to destruction. Our way has led to heartbreak. Our way has led to pain. Our way has led to brokenness. Your way is life and life everlasting. So we say simply tonight, Lord, have your way. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer, we pray these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. I love watching people. The world is full of people. What, we're over seven, eight billion now. The place is teeming with life. And uh, people are everywhere. People are wild. People are vibrant and joyful. People are interesting. Go to the mall. I used to go to the mall. We don't really go to the mall anymore, but you go to the mall and watch people walk around and you know, they got their white tinnies on and their white tube socks and they'll reward themselves with TCBY at the end of their exercise. Anyone ever just go to the mall and watch people do things and say things and watch parents with children and watch elderly, you know, holding each other's hands and just paying attention people are so fun and people are so interesting and people are so fascinating and there are many many kind people and people are crazy people are crazy we are we are crazy and uh if covid's taught us anything it's that you, i mean all of us have been the screws have been tightened on us in the last 18 months and and you know people reacting and people are threadbare in their souls and popping off at each other just people people are interesting. And Proverbs is talking about wisdom versus foolishness. Wisdom versus foolishness. One way leads toward life and one way leads toward destruction. And there are people who are locked into wisdom and the path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, shining ever brighter to the full light of day. Like he who walks with wise people will grow wise, but a companion of Fools will be destroyed. There are people who have steeped their lives in unwisdom, in stupidity, in foolishness. And Proverbs wants to put those two pictures in front of us. So what I'll say tonight is Proverbs depicts a cosmic clash between wisdom and foolishness. And wisdom is personified as a thoughtful, brilliant, composed, and savvy woman. Capital W. Wisdom God's wisdom, the spirit of God, the spirit of wisdom is, is, is personified as this, this woman who just knows what to do. Have you ever been around a wise, sagacious, thoughtful, prayerful, well-read woman who can see through a situation and know what the right thing is to do? She's lived and she's listened and she's paid attention to what works and what doesn't work. She's read and she's watched and she's conversed and she's asked really good questions of the sages and she's poised and prepared and she's positioned to make decisions that will lead to flourishing all around her. Lady Wisdom organizes a world not just for herself to inhabit, but for all who will enter to find life and life to the full. Lady Wisdom keeps the world from collapsing. This is what Proverbs tells us. It's this cosmic battle between lady folly and lady wisdom. And Proverbs 14.1 says that the wise woman builds her house, but with her own hands, the foolish one tears hers down. There's this juxtaposition again. The wise woman builds her house, builds a world, builds a meaningful life, builds the people around her. And wisdom Is about knowing how to keep things together, keep things strong, and keep things sturdy. And So tonight what I want to do is introduce you to an iconic Old Testament story that shows us what Lady Wisdom looks like. It's a woman who keeps the world from collapsing. So I want to take you to 1 Samuel 25 and read you through a story. Can I read you through a good Old Testament narrative? We'll read about 25 verses. We'll break it up. But it's a beautiful story of Lady Wisdom. Are you with me? Okay, here we go. 1 Samuel 25, 1 through 9. Here's how the story goes. Now Samuel died. Samuel's the prophet. And all Israel assembled and mourned for him, and they buried him at his home in Ramah. Then David, everyone say David. David moved down into the desert of Paran. A certain man in Ma'on, who had property there at Carmel, was very wealthy. So we've got David, Samuel has died, David is there, and there's a certain man who's very wealthy, and he had 1,000 goats and 3,000 sheep, which he was shearing in Carmel. This guy is like the Warren Buffett of flockdom. <laughs> his name was Nabal, everyone say Nabal. Nabal. And his wife's name was Abigail, everyone say Abigail. Abigail. So we've got Samuel, who's dead, we've got David, We've got Nabal and we've got Abigail, Nabal's wife. She was an intelligent and beautiful woman. She was lady wisdom, but her husband was surly and mean in his dealings. He was a Calebite. While David was in the wilderness, he heard that Nabal was shearing sheep. So he sent 10 young men and said to them, go up to Nabal at Carmel and greet him in my name. Say to him, long life to you, Good health to you and your household and good health to all that is yours. I come in peace. Now I hear that it is sheep shearing time. And when your shepherds were with us, Nabal, Nabal, you're loaded and you've got these flocks, 3000 and 1000, and you're a wealthy man. You're a landowner. When your shepherds were with us, we did not mistreat them. And the whole time they were at Carmel, nothing of theirs was missing. Ask your own servants and they will tell you. Therefore, be favorable toward my men since we come at a festive time. You've got food ready, feed us. Please give your servants and your son David whatever you can find for them. When David's men arrived, they gave Nabal this message in David's name. Then they waited. The context is David has been anointed as king of Israel, but Saul is still acting as king. He's in the last years of his chaotic reign. The dynasty that he's tried to build build is coming to nothing. And David has been anointed by Samuel, Samuel the prophet, who just died. His spiritual father has died. He's grieving, he's heartbroken, he's lost his most important person over him. His, his sacred canopy of covering has been shot through and now the man of God is in the grave and so David's heart is broken because his man, his dude, his guy, his, the one who anointed him is gone. David was in a time of great grief and deep mourning and he was tired. Have you ever noticed how grief just makes you Tired, like you need to go to bed early because life is just falling apart. So this is where David is. And now he's driven out into the hot and uncomfortable desert where there is no food. So he's heartbroken, he's tired. Now he's out in the hot desert, there's no food around and David needs some help. And David has helped Nabal in the past and he's helped Nabal build this kingdom, this, this little fiefdom. He, he's helped Nabal build his economy And now David and his men are in a pinch and so he sends over his guys to Nabal and it's just a reasonable ask. Could you help us for a minute? Let's pick up the story in verse 10. Nabal answered David's servants who were waiting. Here's what he said. Who is this David? Who is this son of Jesse? Like he knows who his dad is, so he obviously knows. He knows David. Who is this David? Who is this son of Jesse? Many servants are breaking away from their masters these days. You know what this is translation today? Essentially what Nabal says is stupid millennials. I mean, that's what he's doing. He's punking David. David is a grown man. David has made Nabal possible. David is the anointed king of Israel, the king In waiting, and David says, Could you give me a little bit of help? I just lost my most important guy. We've been driven out into the desert. I'm living in a cave with my men. You've got 4,000. You're fine. Could you just give us a couple meals? And the ball goes, Millennial, get out of my face. Why should I take my bread and water and the meat I have slaughtered for my shearers and give it to men coming from who knows where? Have you ever had the the switch flipped? Have you ever had someone set you off? Oh, no, you didn't. You know, have you ever gone Roy D. Mercer on someone and say, how big an old boy are you? I'm Come down there with a 55-gallon drum and I'm gonna open it up on you. I mean, have you ever had someone like disrespect you and dishonor you and you've been good to them and they take your good and they return it with evil? Who is this, David? Who is this stupid son of Jesse? A lot of young folks are breaking away from their masters. Get your own job, David. That's what he's saying to him. Welcome to David's life. And David's thinking to himself, I've helped you become rich. And then when I need help, you act like you don't even know me. You little insulting and ungrateful and entitled nincompoop! I'm coming for you, bro. Like David, the switch gets flipped. He loses his mind. I'm going to come down there. And so we see in verse 12, David's men turned around and they went back to David. And when they arrived, they reported every word from the fool Nabal. David said to his men, each of you strap on your sword. And so they did, and David strapped his on as well. About 400 men went up with David, while 200 stayed with the supplies. One quick observation on wisdom and foolishness in this text. Be careful when you're exhausted. The potential for a lapse into foolishness increases exponentially when you're grieving and when you're tired. He's just buried his most important man. He's been driven out. He's got no routine, no stability, no food. No, he's living in a cave. His men are freaked out. 600 of them he's trying to lead in chaos. It, it, it's just an absolutely disorienting moment. And, and I'll just say the potential for stupidity increases exponentially when you're in one of these situations. But this story that's teetering on the edge of chaos is changed. changed by Lady Wisdom, and her name is Abigail. So let's hear about Abigail. 1 Samuel twenty-five fourteen. One of the servants heard what Nabal, the fool, said to David's men. Who is this David? One of the servants was there, and she goes, oh, no, he didn't. And she runs back to Abigail, who is the, the, the mistress of the house. She's the one in charge. She's, she is the, the first lady. And she runs back to Abigail and says... Uh, David sent messengers from the wilderness to give our master his greetings. He he came in peace. But Nabal hurled insults at them. And yet these men, they were very good to us. She watched David's men make Nabal's kingdom possible. They did not mistreat us. And the whole time we were out in the fields near them, nothing was missing. And night and day, they were like a wall around us the whole time as we were herding our sheep near them. Now think it over, Abigail, and see what you can do because disaster is hanging over our master and his whole household. He is such a wicked man and no one can talk to him. Have you ever been around someone who can't be talked to? So this servant runs to Abigail to tell her about her husband, Nabal, and the situation he's created. So what I wanna do tonight is ask the question, what can we learn from Abigail's wisdom? First thing, that we learn from Abigail's wisdom is that wisdom isn't afraid to act when the moment arises. It says in verse 18 that Abigail acted quickly. There are certain times where you just can't wait. There are certain times when there's no time to waste. There's certain times when if you don't seize the moment, everything's, everything gets lost. And Abigail, she understood like, this is not a time to trifle with someone here. Like let's, Go. She acted quickly and as she came riding her donkey into a mountain ravine, there were David and his men descending toward her. You hear the horses running down like game on. She, she heard the men descending toward her and she met them. And David had just said, it's been useless. All my watching over this fellow's property in the wilderness so that nothing of his was missing and he paid me back Evil for good. May God deal with David, be it ever so severely. Do you understand that when you lose your mind, you start talking in the third person? May God deal with David, be it ever so severely. Have you ever? I mean, Lisa does this all the time. Uh, She just does it all. I'm kidding. (laughs) Anyone got a couch tonight? (laughs) May God deal with David, be it ever so severely. If by morning I leave alive one male of all who belong to these people, like I'm, I'm coming down to kill everyone, I'm done. David's talking to himself and he's talking in the third person and what does Abigail do? She steps in, she heads it off at the pass. Wisdom will move you from passivity to activity. Wisdom will tell you this is a moment that you have, to, you have to stand up. You have to do something. With our children, this is a moment. We cannot let this thing linger. With our job, this is a moment. We cannot let this thing linger. With our finances, this is a moment. We've gotta get our house in order. We've gotta tighten the belt. We've gotta get our business books in order. Have you ever had one of those moments where you just know, I can't wait here? Wisdom acts quickly when the moment arises. The second thing that we see from Abigail's wisdom, is that wisdom knows how to bring the right people together. Then she told her servants, this is amazing to me. Because these people are not on the same socioeconomic plane. These people, most of them probably aren't educated. She's the first lady of the house and these are the working hands. No, she she loves these people. She knows these people. She's built a rapport with these people. She's learned to trust these people. She would not have reached out to them if they were fools, but she knew she was sleeping with a fool, but she was living life around a lot of people who know how to step into the moment with wisdom. She told her servants go on ahead and I'll follow you. But she did not tell her husband, Nabal. There are some people that you need to bring with you on the journey. And then there are other people that you need to screen out. She doesn't talk to her husband about it. Why? Because she knows that she will throw him into another cycle of of foolishness. Like a dog returning to its own vomit, Nabal would have bowed up and, and made the situation worse. She knows who to talk to and she knows who to leave out of the scenario when the moment comes. One of the servants alerted Abigail. This servant, she had said, Abigail, hey, you need to do something because your husband did something and it's gonna cost all of us. These servants are, are wise and her husband, the rich man, he, he's the fool in this story, but Abigail, she, she brings the right people together. Proverbs 13, 20 is a verse that Lisa and I memorized when we were engaged. And my dad told me instead of, you know, when you go out on dates, put a Bible in between you, like you're driving. Put a Bible right here on the console because you won't climb over Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to get to her. <laughs> okay, dad. that's a cheesy preacher joke, dad, but it worked. <laughs> um so we read the Bible together and, and, and we would memorize verses together. Galatians chapter three, we locked that one in. And, and Proverbs thirteen twenty: he who walks with wise men will grow wise, but a companion of fools will be destroyed. We tell this to our kids all the time. Walk with the wise, grow wise. Companion of fools, be destroyed. We read them the news headlines and we, let, we ask them, okay, who do you think they built their life around? You've heard it said, you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Abigail knew who to surround herself with. Abigail knew who to talk to. She didn't talk to her husband. She talked to her people around her because she knew that he would blow it up. But she knew that these people could be trusted. Do you know who to trust when the moment arises? Do you know who to pick up the phone and call when the moment arises? If you don't have that deep bench of people of wisdom, I encourage you now before the crisis comes, begin to develop that. Do you know who you need to begin to screen out? Like watch their lives and, 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 and don't get advice from people whose lives are falling apart. Abigail knew who to talk to when the moment arose. She'd brought the right people together. The third thing we learned from Abigail's wisdom Is that wisdom feeds what is starving in us with the bread of life? Wisdom feeds what is starving in us with the bread of life. At this point in the story, David has an appetite for revenge, he's hungry for blood. Someone's got to pay for this dishonor. This is an honor shame society. And you dishonored my name. And you dishonored the help that I gave you for years. And you dishonored the contribution that I made willingly to the good of the growth of your kingdom. And you're going to return my good with evil. Oh, no, you don't. And so David gets on horses with his men, strap on your swords. And they're going down for blood. He's hungry, his blood is racing. Someone's going to pay. You're going to, you're going to, there's going to be a reckoning. David's hunger for blood is insatiable and he's desperate to make a point to get the last word. And what does Abigail do? It says that she took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five dressed sheep, five sayas of roasted grain, a 100 cakes of raisins and 200 cakes of pressed figs and loaded them on donkeys. David thought blood was the right thing. Abigail brought them food and wine. You guys are hungry. When I go crazy, typically the, the common denominator is I'm hungry and I'm tired. Lisa will go, Come on over here, baby. Let me just put some food in your stomach. Shh. Take a couple bites, and I'm like, There he is. <laughs> David is—he's out in the wilderness and he's flummoxed and he's flustered and I can't—you know—there's no king supers around. And so I'm going to come, and and she comes out and she goes, "Hey, I know you think you really need blood, but you just need food and wine." Abigail understood. And she fed in them what was truly hungry. She addressed the need that they had. Have you ever been poised for an argument? Sometimes you just need to stop and get some bread and get a snack. You you know, take a nap, walk away from it. When your children are falling apart and they're hungry and they're tired, just feed them and go to bed and sleep on it. And let's talk in the morning when cooler heads have prevailed. The wisdom, uh, Lisa is so good at this. She'll help me just go, The wisdom of, of knowing when to address something and knowing when to leave it alone. And Abigail stepped in between David and 400 men coming down the ravine on horses and all of her household. And she goes, it's one little woman. They could have just bowed her over with these horses, but she gets down and she's got this food and she's got a smile on her face and she stops blood revenge in its tracks with food and wine. She fed what was truly hungry in them and crisis was averted. The fourth thing I wanna say that we can learn from Abigail's wisdom, the final thing, is that wisdom speaks to the royalty inside of someone instead of inciting the fool in them. This is Jordan Victoria Lewis who did the offering. We were talking this week and she pointed this out, that wisdom speaks to the royalty. Look what Abigail does. When Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey and she bowed down before David. Just one little woman. I mean, it makes a statement. It's a powerful, it's like, whoa. Like we're gonna go kill all these people and here's this sweet woman and she's brought food for all of us and she's a woman of pe- Like what, you know, in that moment, David said, what am I doing with my life? She spoke to the royalty. Look what she does. She fell face to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, pardon your servant, my Lord, my Lord. This is the anointed king of Israel. Pardon your servant, my Lord. She doesn't go, what's wrong with you? <laughs> pardon your servant, my Lord. And let me, can I, can I say one thing? Hear what your servant has to say. Please pay no attention, my Lord, to that wicked man, Nabal, my husband. He's a fool. Nabal actually in the Hebrew just means fool. He's just like his name. His name means fool. And folly goes with him everywhere he goes. And as for me, your servant, humility here. I did not see the men my Lord sent. And now, my Lord, as surely as the Lord your God lives, and as you live since the Lord has kept you from bloodshed. She's saying, you know what you're going to do, David? You're not going to kill anybody today. You're really not. I know you think you are, but you're not. You're going to sit down at this table. You're going to have food and wine, and everything's going to be just fine. Since the Lord has kept you from bloodshed, she says... Where's that at? Where's that at? And from avenging yourself with your own hands, may your enemies and all who are intent on harming my Lord be like Nabal. And let this gift which your servant has brought to you, my Lord, be given to the men who follow you. I'm here to feed you and all the people. Please forgive your servant's presumption. The Lord your God will certainly make a lasting dynasty. He will make a lasting dynasty for my Lord because you fight the Lord's battle and no wrongdoing will be found in you as long as you live. What she's saying is, David, you're a king. David, you're a man of God. David, you're supposed to be for the poor. David, God is the God of justice and righteousness. God is the one who turns the other cheek. God is the one who blesses those who curse him. God is the one who who meets out justice to all within his kingdom. God is the one, she says, David, you're a king. David, you're a king. David, you're a king, don't do it. I grew up in a church where my pastor, Billy Joe Darty, Every time he would see me, he was like, he was like kind of an extended uncle. My parents would be assistant pastors and we were very close and I'd be at his house all the time and his kids would be at our house and he would always look at me and every time he would see me, he would go, hello, man of God. It's good to see you, man of God. You mighty man of God, you mighty man of God. Daniel, get over here, you mighty man of God. And he'd hit me on the chest. It's good to see you today, you mighty man of God. And you're gonna change the world. And I just, my whole life, before I ever knew what a mighty man of God was, I knew that I was one. Before I ever had this concept of speaking to the royalty in someone instead of speaking to the madness in them, someone was teaching, and my parents came My parents, you, you're, you're a blessing, Daniel, and you've got an excellent spirit, and you're gonna bless the world, and you're gonna, everywhere you go, and whatever you put your hand to, is gonna prosper, and they just marked me. Parents, speak to the royalty in your children. Speak to the royalty in your children. Coworkers, Go to your office and speak to the royalty and the people around you. Don't tell them everything they aren't. Tell them what they are. And sometimes you're going to have to prophesy it by faith because they're acting like a fool. And so speak those things that are not as though they were. This is what the people of God do. And you you call it out. You draw out the deep well of God's gift and God's grace and God's anointing on them. You speak to that thing that's subterranean, hidden, and draw that thing out. This is what Abigail does. She doesn't say, David, you're such a diva and David you're such a punk and how dare you come on our property she goes king act like a king today be the man of God that you've been anointed to be I know Samuel put oil on your head so rise up into that identity and rise up into that work and do the right thing David she speaks to the royalty wisdom speaks to the royalty inside the people around you instead of inciting the fool that's buried within them David was saved by Abigail that day. Nabal is the powerful one and David is the other powerful one and there's a, a, a woman right here and she comes out with bread and with wine and shows actually she's the powerful one. <laughs> Appreciate you guys. <laughs> Appreciate you Nabal. Oh, bless your heart. David. Abigail is Lady Wisdom stepping to the middle to show the world what justice and what righteousness and what holiness and what wisdom looks like. David was saved by Abigail that day. David kept his dynasty together that day because he he heard the voice of wisdom. And what I wanna say to you is as great as Abigail was, and be like Abigail, I want you to hear that Jesus is the true king of that lasting dynasty. And what does Jesus do? Jesus corrects our foolishness not by shouting at us and not by pointing the finger and not by furrowing his brow. Jesus corrects and addresses and draws out the wisdom deep within us by coming out with bread and with wine. And he comes out and he humbles himself just as Abigail that day. She got down low and she, she didn't have to do that. She was the, the first lady of this kingdom. But what does she do? She gets down low and Jesus was the first, the first, the, the, the only son of the kingdom. And what does he do? He gets down low and he feeds the world and the dynasty is Preserved. Our lives are preserved. All of us rage. We are like David and his men coming down the mountain on those horses ready for blood and we want to stick it to someone and we want to end up being right when someone has taken our good and returned it with evil. Our blood starts racing and Jesus comes and stands in between us and he stops the madness and he says, this is my body which is broken for you. Be a king today. You don't have to lose your life. You don't have to lose your dynasty. You don't have to lose your authority by being mad This is my body, which is broken for you. Jesus is the one who can retrain us in wisdom. He is wisdom himself. And so tonight, would you stand with me and let's have a face-to-face encounter with the man, Jesus, wisdom incarnate. If you'd get your communion elements ready and if you don't have communion elements, raise your hands and Our ushers will come quickly to you. Go ahead and take the top off there and grab that wafer. Jesus doesn't crush the Roman Empire with a violent rebellion. He wins with gentle wisdom. He conquers with kindness. He crushes the serpent by absorbing The poison, like Abigail did with David, Jesus finds us with our insatiable appetites to win and to be right and to make someone else pay. Like Abigail with David, Jesus knows what we need and he feeds us the bread of life. And so tonight, would you bring your madness before the Lord? (laughs) Would you bring your stupidity before the Lord? Would you bring your desire for vengeance before the Lord? Would you bring the, 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 that thing, I gotta get in the last word. And would you come and stand before Jesus and let him give you broken bread and shed blood. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread and he broke it. Would you break that little wafer? And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. You don't have to fight. You don't have to try to win. You don't have to defend yourself. Let me feed you. So Jesus, would you be the greater Abigail for us tonight? Would you be the wisdom of God in the flesh for us tonight? We're so hungry. We're living out in the wilderness in a cave. We've got so many questions. We're grieving. We've lost Samuel. We're grieving. So would you come feed us tonight? Would you come heal us tonight? Would you preserve the dynasty tonight? Would you keep us from losing our minds tonight? Would you keep us from ruining our lives and the lives of others tonight? By giving us your broken body, Jesus says, this is my body broken for you. As often as you do this, remember me. You may receive the bread tonight. On the same night, Jesus took the cup of wine and he said, this cup is the new covenant. It's given in my blood, which is to say it doesn't require anyone else's blood. You don't have to kill someone else to get this story right. You don't have to make someone else lose for you to win. I will lose so everyone can win is what Jesus is saying. This cup is the new covenant given in my blood and it's given for the remission of your sins for every time we have failed, for every time we've lost it, for every time we've blown the thing up. Jesus says, I'll restore that right here, right now. Your sins are forgiven you. And some of you I don't know if you believe that tonight. You go, oh, church, and yeah, just you know, be better. No, Jesus says, your sins are forgiven you. Like, it's, you're okay because I've made you okay. Come back home, be restored. It's okay. And so tonight, Jesus, we receive forgiveness. Some of you need to let yourself go tonight. Jesus is here to forgive you, but you won't forgive yourself. Some of you just need to surrender that tonight. Let the stupid thing you did, let it die. Let Jesus sink it in the grave and give you a cup of the new covenant. Jesus, you said every time we do this, do this for the remembrance of you. And we remember tonight that you're the God of forgiveness. Church, you may receive the cup. Now let's worship the Lord Jesus together.
1: God most high, God most worthy In the darkness we were waiting Father, praise the
0: Would you open your hands now and would you be ready to receive? This is no routine before we rush out the door. Moses in number six, God tells him to pray this blessing over the people and he tells the priests to do it and to keep on doing it. And at the end of it, he says, And as you do this, you are putting the name of God on their heads. I want you to imagine tonight the name of God being stamped on your head. And so I say, may the Lord our God bless you and keep you. May he keep you. May he keep you. Keep you in your family. Keep you in your business. Keep you in your health. Keep you in relationships. Keep you in mental health and soundness of mind. May the Lord our God bless you and keep you. and May he make his face to shine upon you. Like the sun hitting your face, and changing the color and changing the countenance and the complexion. May the Lord our God make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his bright smiling countenance upon you and all of your people. And may he grant you peace in the name of the Father and the Son. And the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, amen. One more time for what the Lord has done here tonight. Let's praise the Lord. I want to invite our prayer team to come down. If any of you need extended prayer, a focused prayer, we would love to agree with you. And if you're new, come see us at Connect Central. We'll be dedicating children next week. Go from here tonight in God's grace and peace. Much love.